standard tried and true Mother's Day sermon. I will confess to you, though, I have not preached it for a long, long, long time. Uh, others may have, but uh, I know it was a long time ago, 20-some years ago, I think the last time I actually preached on this subject. So I thought it was about time on this Mother's Day that we took a look at what Proverbs has to say about the virtuous woman. Before I do that, I want to tell you a little bit about an expensive bracelet. Now, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe some of you uh, fellows got your wife or your mother a nice bracelet for Mother's Day. That would be all right. I, I don't buy jewelry for my wife because my taste in jewelry is just it's terrible. So uh, I don't do that. But some of you may have. But I doubt very seriously if any of you spent $12.4 million dollars. If you did. That was the last uh, time the Wallace Simpson Panther bracelet was sold at auction. $12.4 million. Uh, If you're not familiar with the Wallace Simpson Panther bracelet, it was designed by Cartier in Paris in 1952 and was owned for many, many years by American socialite and Duchess of Windsor Wallace Simpson. She is long gone at this point, and I don't know who had it after that, but I do know the last time it was sold at auction, it sold for that $12.4 million price. And the rumor was that it was purchased by Madonna, the singer, the entertainer. You all know who I'm referring to. It seems that by the world's estimation, Your value is determined by what you are able to own, what you might possess, or what might even you wear or put on display. Maybe even something that costs $12 million. By the way, that bracelet looks like a leopard, not a panther to me. So I I don't know. I don't know how Cartier got that wrong, but it's spotted. It's it's, uh, covered with diamonds and onyxes. That's a pure leopard, but anyway, it's called the the panther, I don't know. Uh, Now, if indeed Madonna did buy this, and by the way, you know, when people buy things like this at auction from Southby's, you never really know who buys it. They don't want anybody really to know, so there's a lot of speculation. But uh, the fact that Madonna probably bought this necklace... uh, I think deserves a little bit of commentary. And I got this uh, online, and I, I failed to write down who said this, but it, it really struck me because it, it, it's about my home state. So if you'll indulge me for a minute, the, the quote is this. Uh, in Hollywood, fake people wear real jewelry. In West Virginia, real people wear fake jewelry. <laughs> That's probably, probably very true. Now, I, I will confess my wife's engagement ring was real. It wasn't fake, but it was so small that after 10 years, I made her put it, in the, put it away in a safe place, and I bought her a new one because I was embarrassed to have her wearing it in public. So uh, it, it was real. It, it was not fake, though. <clears throat> now, Pro- Proverbs 31 at verse 10 begins this way. Who can find a virtuous wife? Some translations say virtuous woman. For her worth 
is far above rubies. Now the word rubies in the English translation translates a Hebrew word, which is, well, it's hard to tell specifically what it's referring to. It may refer to pearls or other gems, not specifically rubies. It's just a word that was used generally in reference to precious stones and jewelry and ornamentation. A virtuous woman, a virtuous wife, her value, her worth is far, far above rubies. Far, far more than $12.4 million. Now, lest we be somewhat confused as we think biblically here, I think it's important to note 1 Peter 3 and verses 3 and 4. Where Peter writes, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or of the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, I want you to understand, and some people have misunderstood this, that God is not opposed to you ladies looking good. He's not opposed to an appropriate accessory, a necklace, earring, whatever. But the emphasis, the comparison to what's really important puts that kind of thing in a diminished light. Because what the scripture says is really important is what's on the inside doesn't mean that how we look on the outside is unimportant, but it does mean that what we are on the inside is far, far more important. The comparison made here in Proverbs is this. Some folks might actually wear a $12 million accessory, but even so, that doesn't even begin to compare to the value, the worth of a godly, virtuous woman and what she is in her character and her person. When Solomon says, who can find a virtuous woman? He's talking about something that's on the inside. Virtuous wife, what she is and how that affects everything that she does. So, the topic here this morning involves the virtues that would be appropriate for any wife, mother, grandmother. The virtuous woman here is described throughout these next 17 verses. In the Hebrew language, each verse begins with a successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So, it is what we would call an acrostic. And therefore it is, it's topical in its structure. You might find verses early in the text of this poetical piece that are kind of repeated in a different way later. And so you have to, to pull out the various concepts and put them together. And that's what we're going to, to try to do. Why, why is it constructed this way? Well, 
It was a poetical uh, structure. And, and you, I can only imagine it, it made it very, very easy for folks prior to printed Bibles, obviously, to remember what was said in Proverbs 31. Because you had that automatic way to remember it as you went through the alphabet. There's a memory aid to being able to rehearse it, which is a good point for us even yet today because all of you ladies should remember what's said here. It should be your model. This virtuous woman should be your example to follow. And for those of us men and children, when we think of our mothers on Mother's Day, uh, it should be these things that we most appreciate about our mothers. And I believe in time, they will be the things we most appreciate. And they will be the things that we reflect on. And they will be the things that, that have changed us and shaped us when we think about it. So Mother's Day is a great day. By the way, Mother's Day started in the church, you know. It didn't start with uh, someone in Washington declaring a Mother's Day. It was a, it started in a church, and it spread. This is way back in the 1800s, but it became what it is today. It's just a genuine church-related event, or holiday, or Sunday, whatever you want to call it. It is a time when we should appreciate our mothers. We should appreciate our wives. We should appreciate all women who are of such a quality as the virtuous woman. And for you young guys, and there are a few young guys here uh, in our congregation this morning, this is what you should look for in a wife. Probably not your first thought, Proverbs 31, but a good, a, a good thing to think through. And for you young ladies, this is what you need to become. This, this lady that's described in Proverbs 31, I don't believe was a young woman. I don't believe she was a young mother. I don't think she could do all of this with a young child or more at home. Probably she is older and probably, most likely, even a grandmother at this stage in her life. I mean, you don't develop this type of character and this type of skill and ability quickly. It's, it's acquired over many years. So what an example she sets. So let's move on to the text itself. And I want you to notice first with me this word virtuous, on which everything else we're going to say is based. Who can find a virtuous woman? It's a very specific word in the Hebrew language. It's translated virtuous. It's not just a general concept. It, and that's it. It carries the idea of strength. Strength of character. Spiritual strength. She's a real McCoy, so to speak. Nothing put on. Absolute refinement of character and personality. But it's also a word which conveys the idea of great ability, competence. She is good at what she does, and she does a lot. 
according to this enumeration before us. It's been developed. It's been honed. She is a jewel of an individual. And that's the idea behind this word virtuous. I'm going to group together some qualities of virtue here that we find in this acrostic. And I'm going to group them together in seven headings, or seven points. You could make the list much longer. You could find all sorts of subpoints and, and variations. But since this is presented as an acrostic in kind of a topical form, we can pick and choose and group together, and that's what we're going to do. And what we're going to do is try to identify some of the major areas of virtue in the virtuous woman's life. So let's begin there and do that. First of all, I want you to note that she is trustworthy. Trustworthy. Look again at our scripture. Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. Now the word gain means profit. means financial profit. She is, she is valuable for her character most of all, but her character also produces a lot of things that are valuable in addition to that. So her husband can trust her in matters of money. He can trust her in business matters. His heart safely trusts in her. He knows that whatever she does, he's not going to suffer any loss. Then notice verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now there's a general description that includes what he just said, but I think we can draw from this that she not only is, can be trusted with money, she can be trusted with the things that are even more important than money. He has come to understand over years that this woman will do what's right for him and for the family and what's best at every juncture. She is trustworthy. Then number two, note with me that she is industrious. Now this will probably be the longest point because it encompasses a lot of this particular poetical section. She is industrious. Look at verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's a laborer. She's a hard worker. She never stops, never quits. She's always busy. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises up while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidens. She is a laborer, a worker, but she's also a manager as we see here. She manages the budget, the purchase of food, the preparation of food, and she had a large household probably, uh, again, uh, she 
She was a very prominent lady. She had servants. She took care of them. She managed this household, and it was probably quite significant, and she managed it perfectly well. Notice in verse uh, 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her profit, she plants a vineyard. She was an investor. A laborer, a common laborer, yes. A manager, a good manager, yes. An investor, a pretty good investor too. Now, I don't think there's any indication here that she just did this on her own without asking her husband, but uh, probably if she would have, he would have said, good deal. <laughs> That's how much he trusts this woman. That's how competent she is. That's, that's a commentary on her ability. She considers a field, a, a piece of real estate. She buys it. She profits she, from that. She, she buys a vineyard, a, a farm, and puts it into production. And then personally, she is a producer. Look at verse 17. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. The word merchandise here means gain or profit again. She understands what she needs to do to be a good steward. She's not just about spending frivolously. You know, a lot of you ladies spend very well and you know how to save money and you profit your household by the spending of money and how it's, how it is used for the consumption of what's needed. All this involved here. And her lamp does not go out by night. She works long and she works hard to produce for her family. Verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Now, in today's world, automated machinery produced fabric. But I think all of us at least have seen pictures of the old spinning wheel that we use going back to the frontier days in America. But this... This that's described here, the distaff and the spindle, is even more ancient than that. It probably was an apparatus that was held here, the staff in the hand, and somehow attached to it up here was whatever was going to be used to make the fabric, the flax, wool, whatever. And it, then it was, it was spun. There was a spindle down here you spun with your hand, and somehow... And I don't even know how it works enough, although I've just seen the picture. But it had to be, it had to require strength in her arms and hands. And it was a lot of effort to do that. Can you imagine producing what you wear by hand? The effort that that would take? And yet she doesn't assign this to a household servant. She's involved in this herself. And so she is a producer, but also a provider. Look at verse 21. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. That's, that means fine clothing, warm clothing. Verse 22, she makes tapestry for herself. And that may refer to uh, mattresses, bed clothing, linens, whatever. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Now that was not just the common stuff. Okay? She, she looked nice. She, she had quality clothing. 
But that was just the exterior. Here, what, what is extolled is her ability to produce this, her ability to supply this and provide this for her family. And so she is an industrious, she was an industrious person. Now, Salary.com for years put out every year around Mother's Day an estimation of what a working mother, a mother that works outside of the home as well as being a mother, uh, would be worth if she was not only paid for what she made on the job, but for what she did at home. And they, they established, you know, the jobs by interviewing a lot of mothers and, uh, they, they do a lot of research on, uh, the wages paid for various things. As of 2019, and they didn't evidently do this until 2020, the last time they did it, 2019, they came up with this yearly salary. If you paid the mother for everything she did in the household plus what she did out in the, on the, outside the household, and they came up with $178,201 a year. That's pretty good wages. That might even get you taxed in this time of, you know, we don't tax us, us lower people, you know, we don't make that much, but, <laughs> or not supposedly, but, you know, uh, that, that's a pretty good wage. Now, they also do, do the calculation for stay-at-home moms, uh, which also runs way over $100,000. Because they spend just as much time. They're just at home versus that. By the way, uh, this lady, the virtuous woman, worked outside the home. Now, no, she wasn't employed outside the home. That wasn't done in that culture. But she worked outside the confines of her home, investing, producing, trading. She was uh, a phenomenon. Salary.com, in modern-day terms, lists some of the things that mothers do at home. These are some of the jobs they talk about. Housekeeper, daycare center teacher, computer operator, cook, CEO, laundry machine operator, facilities manager, psychologist, janitor, and van driver. (laughs) Uh, That's just a partial list. By the way, we've already alluded to it. There is this question, should should mothers work outside the home? Now, my answer to that has always been this. The Scriptures do not prohibit that at all. But the Scriptures do, the scriptures do indicate that a mother's primary role and most important role is in the home. Now, the way we applied this in our family is my wife did not work outside the home as long as there were children at home that were not in school, and we only had one, so that didn't last too long. And a lot of time after that, off and on, she was at home. But any job she did, she did part-time after Brittany was in school, and she wasn't there. Uh, We felt that was important for a mother to be there for the young children, and I still do. But she contributed financially to the welfare of our home, even when she was not working outside in employment. And I won't go into all that, but she's done many different things over the years. Now, let's move on to number whatever it is here, number three. She's also a caring person. A virtuous woman is a caring individual. Look at verse 20. She extends her hand to the poor 
Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She not only provides for her own home, but she is caring in terms of helping people in her community and people around her that are not her family. This is an important quality. Uh, she was caring in the de- in what, her, what she did, the deeds that she did, but if you drop down to verse 26, you'll see that she was a caring person in terms of her words. She opens her mouth with wisdom, it says, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She was kind and and sensitive to other people in communicating with them. And I, I imagine she built people up and all that was involved in that because she cared about people. And and this is one of those things that, that make a virtuous woman that has something like this as, as part of her character. So very, very valuable to everybody she comes in contact with. Then number four, she is supportive. Now, I'm talking primarily in terms of her husband in this case. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, the gates of the city, the walled cities, the main gate is where the elders, the leaders of that city, the governing officials... Uh, the overseers of all the legal and financial and uh, uh, matters and so forth, where all that, that kind of business was conducted, was at the gate on a meeting of the elders of that city. And it says her husband is known in the gates, and he sits among the elders of the land. Now, <clears throat> this is about the virtuous woman. So why is... The husband mentioned. It's not just thrown in off subject here. The indication and the implication is that he was who he was and where he was because of her. She had a large part in that. Because she was supportive and because she was so good at managing the household and, and supporting him that he was able to attain to a high position of influence in the, the city. So she was supportive, and that led to his accomplishment, and it enhanced his reputation, and it enabled his success. This is one of the most valuable aspects of a virtuous woman. But then number five, a virtuous woman is secure. She is Secure, look at verse 25. Not insecure, secure. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. Well, why is she honored? She's honored for her strength. Now, the word strength here in the Hebrew means stability in all circumstances. She was the same all the time. No matter how tough things got or how great things were, she was the same person. And especially she stood out when things were not good. And that brought her honor. She, she was recognized by other people. It brought her dignity. She was elevated in the eyes of other people because of her character. She was admired. But not only was she secure in the sense of her own self-confidence and strength, she was 
and even more importantly, secure in the Lord. Notice with me now again at the text. Verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She will be rewarded. This life doesn't always reward you for everything you do well. But God will always reward us. She understood that no matter what she sacrificed, how hard she worked, or what she did, that it may not be recognized by everybody, or it, it, it may not bring her any return. A lot of them, a lot of things did. But she knew ultimately that she would rejoice. She was a woman of faith, secure in her relationship to God and where that was taking her. And then, Number six, she was a wise counselor. A wise counselor. Look at verse 26 again. She opens her mouth with wisdom. She, she controlled her tongue. A virtuous woman controls her tongue. And her con- the content of what she speaks, what she communicates, is described here as being wisdom. Now, wisdom, and and Proverbs is a wisdom book, wisdom is always moral in nature and not just utilitarian. It is not just, you know, practical. It is wisdom from God's perspective is what's right, not just what works, although it includes both. So, she was someone who, when she spoke, she exuded wisdom. It was, it was recognized, it was seen. A, a woman of, that has this kind of wisdom is just a magnet. Other people will f- just flock to her for her advice, her perspective, her encouragement, her kind words, her uplifting presence. This was an extraordinary woman. You know women of this type. Instinctively, you'll recognize them. She was, in her words, wise. She was not a gossip, not a manipulator, not worldly-minded. When she spoke, she conveyed the truth of God's Word and brought it to bear on anything she was discussing. Then number seven, A virtuous woman is reverent. Look at verse 30. Charm is deceitful. Okay? That, that personality that people find intriguing or uh, impressive, well, that's not the main thing. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is passing. I like to think that beauty is enhanced with age, but only if the character accumulates with age. Then the beauty is surpassing. Charm is deceitful, and beauty, just beauty, is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord 
she shall be praised. We'll back up, if you will. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well. By the way, that word well here refers to her virtue. Many daughters have done well. But you, this woman he's talking about, you excel them all. So when someone fears God and they become Christ-like of character, well, that's, that's special. And the value of that far, far exceeds outward beauty. Rubies, whatever it may be. So this is a description of a woman of worth who can find a virtuous woman for her worth is far above rubies far above the most precious of worldly and material things Her worth is recognizable, as we just noticed. Her husband, her children, even people around her recognize it. She will be blessed of the Lord for her reverence, for her faithfulness, her submission, her obedience. She is a woman of great, great nobility. You know, if you strip away everything else in this world, and let's just exclude our salvation or relationship with God. Just just look at just the person here and who they are and what they can. The most valuable thing in your life is not what you own, not what you possess, but it's the ability you have with the character you possess. You take all all the material things away like Job experienced, and Job was still Job. You strip away all things. You lose everything you possess, everything you own, everything you've earned. If you're a person of ability, you'll replace that. It's what's on the inside. It's what God makes of you. It's what you become. And this is the day we celebrate women, mothers, grandmothers. Wives of worth. As husbands and as children, this is a time and a day and an appropriate time to appreciate your mother, your wife. By the way, I would suggest perhaps a good practice, maybe a good assignment for you men this morning, you husbands. Go home and make a list of what you appreciate about your wife. If you can do it before the sun sets, you can say, here's my Mother's Day appreciation list. If not, here's the day after Mother's Day appreciation list. But I think that will be an exercise of great value to you, and it will be a great encouragement to her. Jimmy Dean makes sausage. We all know that, right? But before Jimmy Dean made sausage, he made music. He was a singer, a country-western singer. 
By the way, I didn't know this. Joni Bowden told me after the morning service, he also was an actor. He was on the Daniel Boone TV show for a couple seasons. Did not know that. But Jimmy Dean had his first hit in 1966. Country Western song of some sort. He did not have another one that made the top ten in the charts for ten years. Then in 1976, he and another man wrote I.O.U., which was released just before Mother's Day in 1976. It was a, re- it was a tribute to his mother. It was a recitation, not, not really a song. A recitation set to music. Here are the lyrics, as I found them on lyrics.com. And I'm not going to read them all. I just kind of scan down through them. He says, Mom, I owe you for so many things. A lot of services, like Nike Watchman, for instance, for lying awake nights listening for coughs, cries, and creaking floorboards, and me coming in too late. I owe you for services as a short-order cook, chef, baker, for making sirloin out of hamburger and turkey out of tuna fish and two big old strapping boys out of leftovers. I owe you for cleaning services, for daily scrubbing of the face and ears and all the work done by hand and for the frequent dusting of the small boy's pants to try to make sure that he led a spotless life, for washing and ironing and laundering, for drying tears and ironing out problems. I owe you for services as a bodyguard, for protecting me from the terrors of thunderstorms and nightmares and eating too many green apples. I owe you for medical attention, for nursing me through measles, mumps, bruises, bumps, splinters, and spring fever. I owe you for veterinarian services, for feeding every lost dog I dragged home. I owe you for entertainment, for the wonderful productions at Christmas, the 4th of July, and birthdays, and for making make-believe come true on a very limited budget. I owe you for construction, for building kites, and building confidence, and building hopes, and building dreams, and cementing the family together. He ends it up this way. He said, my IOUs add up to much more than I could ever hope to repay. But you know the nicest thing about it all is that I know that she will mark the entire bill paid in full for just one kiss and four little words, Mom, I love you. Boy, if entertainers would put out stuff like that today, they might make a lot more money. They surely would make a lot more difference. Ladies, young ladies, this is the model you should aspire to follow. Follow the godly example of the virtuous woman. Husbands, children, appreciate these things. Young men, look for this kind of woman, America. 